No, I usually miss the countdown because I'm not paying attention, and so I don't want us to start, and then <laughs> we do what you and Wally did the one time and get like halfway through Dude, and realize we're idiots. And that was at like two in the morning. I don't know how you went back. I would be like, halfway through, I'd be like, you know, is it worth it? I'm like, yeah, dude, can we just miss this week? We just went through it a lot quicker, that's for sure. But it was, yeah, that was so bad, dude. Headspace, realizing, he's like, I'm like, tell me. No, don't tell me that right now, Wally. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right. And welcome back to an episode of Loss of Down, brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're David and I's age where it feels like there's a college graduation, baby pictures, engagements, weddings, you name it, every weekend they're happening. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on our Instagram at Sapphire. It's or on our Instagram, saw dad and Sapphire again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Off to a rock and start. You can tell without Wally here, we're already struggling. My man's out on a cruise for the week, so just me and DK today. David, how was the weekend, brother? It was good, but I was under the impression Wally went out to go get some milk from the store and just never came back. As far as I was concerned, it was you and I the rest of the way on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So he's um, milk and cigarettes, and well. I think it was icy light in cigarettes, so we'll see if he actually becomes <laughs> That sounds about right. And hopefully, you know, we're getting close to him cutting his hair off, so hopefully he's not coming back with a buzz cut, and we're going to need explanations here. That should be its own podcast, him just getting his head shaved. If he was smart, he would have made a bet surrounded around the head being, or his hair being shaved, but I don't know why he's not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I want to keep my hair. I guess I could have thrown that out in the George Pickens. He see he should have just thrown that out in the George Pickens bet two weeks ago. I agree. But no, no, he's being too small. Today we got the AFC, NFC, South predictions, David's favorite divisions. God, I cannot wait. Especially when we get into the AFC South. My goodness, it's gonna be a bloodbath on the podcast, not specifically uh the division. Then we're gonna get a little to NFL news. Tiny bit of rapid fire. Oh, my God. Do you hear that, David? Oh, I think the rapid fire is already beginning. Don't worry, Wally. I got us, buddy. I can hear the sirens loud and clear. <laughs> we have, first and foremost, second week of the preseason just started here. We had you know, we had a couple takeaways, but really, it's the second week. Yes, the starters are playing a little bit more. Shout out to Fonz going to the Bears Indy Colts game here this past weekend. I wonder how long he actually made it. But, David, what were some takeaways that um, you took during this weekend in the preseason? All right, so I'm going to preface this with telling everyone that I've watched maybe a collective 45 minutes of preseason so far, and I've watched probably an equal amount of time and just highlights. Uh, so here's what I, I took so far from week two. Darren Waller is going to get a crap ton of targets this year, which I don't think is really that surprising to anyone, but he was targeted on, on something like 50% of total plays he was on the field for, uh, which is wild. Um, Bijan Robinson is already dominating offensive snaps. Um, I, you know, he's probably going to be that guy. Uh, and it's going to be fun to see this year, but I'm not going to hype him up quite yet. That's your Texas boy, though. You can hype him I up. I know, but, like, I don't want to be, like, the Saquon Barkley hype that turns into pretty good for two years, injured for two years. Like, I just don't want to get the hype up, right? I um, didn't realize that Bijan was the dude that got 
dismantled and almost paralyzed like a couple years ago in college when he tried to hurdle somebody. And then he was like almost diving straight to the ground and someone speared him in the spot. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that, ooh, that just gave me chills. Yeah. The fun things about football, about right? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so well, that's what you get if you're trying to hurdle. <laughs> that's actually, it's kind of fair. It's surprising. More hurdles don't end up in disaster, but neither here nor there last two, Something smells weird in Tampa. I Baker sat the entire game, but Todd Bowles said he wasn't the starter. I I hate Todd Bowles as a head coach. I don't think he's very good, but neither here nor there. Last thing, Bryce Young is screwed and might have a career that looks more like David Carr's than what his, you know, absolute ceiling is. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's preseason though, right? And there's always that takeaway you can't you can't, you know, judge somebody, especially these rookies, you know, just off preseason. But we're not judging Bryce Young on this. But, man, if you can't block for him, the amount of times we've seen quarterbacks get a premature ending to their career that quick. And he's a tiny dude. He is a tiny, tiny dude. He can get, to, he can just be beheaded no matter what play it is. That's really the only takeaway I had. I think I'm the only person who's watched least or the less – lesser amount of preseason between everyone in the podcast. Bijan's just that dude. You can tell right from the first, the first snap, the first handoff uh, that he's going to be the guy there in Atlanta, which big surprise. He is the highest paid running back in the NFL. He was taken top 10. So um, that's really all I had. Still nothing crazy on my side with, with green Bay. Jordan Love really isn't that crazy. Sean Clifford putting up another solid performance, though. I'm telling you, he is the future in Green Bay. Watch out for Sean Clifford. And I'm sure, and I'm sure Wally, if he had anything, any takeaway here is to double down on Aiden O'Connell being the GOAT. Because the kid's balling right now in Las Vegas. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. About to take Jimmy G's job. I know. They're about to cut his contract real quick. Wish he had that foot injury <laughs> linger on a little bit more. Uh, the only other news that we have here, uh, Miles Jack officially announcing his retirement. So I know uh, he was a late addition to the Philadelphia Eagles in the offseason this year. Um, after stories coming out of him looking around for like plumbing jobs or like electrician jobs. Well, um, Looks like it was just a short amount of time on the Eagles roster. Now he is retired. So 95 starts with 617 tackles and just six and a half career sacks. It was a weird, weird, unique career that Miles Jack had. Yeah, I don't like to your point. I think the first season he only played like a game uh, towards I think it was the end of the season when because he was hurt going into the season, if I recall correctly. He has a degenerative knee condition, so nobody really saw his career lasting a super long time. But he was actually pretty productive as a linebacker, um, and he was really good in Jacksonville while he was there. Um, I The weirder thing is, is so you mentioned the plumbing, electrician stuff, like he wants to go into the trades. The only reason he didn't is because, um, oh God, who was it? One of his buddies who's on an NFL roster convinced him to come back and and try out and play again and he looked like he was going to be a starter in philly and then all of a sudden uh who is it zach cunningham who they signed uh is flourishing in the preseason and and basically took his uh role as a starter and i think that's why he's retiring he's just like "Ah, i'm not going to go through another season just to sit on the bench right but i don't know it's just to your point he's just a weird career and and I don't know. I just, I wasn't expecting a retirement this soon. Well, I remember that that was such a huge question mark coming out and he was still 
viewed as like a steal of the draft that year because he fell away to the second round and people were kind of scratching their heads and and he wasn't he wasn't the number one two three or four name on that defense you know when they were when they were hot going to the AFC championship game losing to New England but I mean he definitely made a name for himself and you know I thought he was gonna last a little bit longer I didn't realize his knee injury was gonna or I guess his knee condition was gonna you know hold him out and to a short career like this, but, you know, he was able to go back in Pittsburgh, almost a, almost a similar story where he was contemplating, maybe not coming back, got another chance with Pittsburgh, but man, why not? Even if you were riding the bench, why not see if you can get a ring before you head out of there? Cause I, I bet Philly's a really fun team to be in. That locker room is electric, but no, go get a ring and then you can bounce out of the league for a little bit. But he, well, he has been there long enough to get the pension, right? Or has yeah, he hit I mean, his qualifications? I think, only, I think you only have to play. He gets more of the pension than you would if you only played three years, which is like I think the minimum to get. Maybe it's four years to get the pension, but he definitely has played long enough to get into the to vest into the pension. He's gonna be coasting off in retirement. I don't know. Hopefully, maybe one day um, we have some plumbing issues. We call him and Miles Jack just walks into the door. That'd be kind of cool. Yuck him up a little bit. But we're actually gonna start with his former division, the AFC South, again. Just to mention again. David's favorite division in football. I mean, the amount of times I'm like, David, you're a Browns fan. Get the Texans-Titans game off the TV because your Browns are playing in the third quarter. It's like, fine, I guess I will see those shitty white jerseys. But we're going to go into the AFC, what our predictions are. To start us off, we're going to start down in Houston where the Texans over under is set at six and a half. Again, this is a team that went, uh, what, 313-1 last year. And had a lot of key additions. If it's C.J. Stroud moving up to get Will Anderson, backing up C.J. Stroud uh, with Case Keenum. You also had the likes of Dalton Schultz, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods making uh, a stop in Houston here at the end of his career. So, David, over under six and a half for the Houston Texans. Where are you putting them? Under. Um, So... Uh, and let's actually let's start with this. Wally has the under as well at four and thirteen. His only reason is no wide receivers in here. I think you, you could, that's a question. That's a question mark, Wally. It, it, it's yeah. I, I I'm under at four and thirteen too. I, I think this team has talent in spots. I do, um, but they're still desperate for talent in a lot of important places. Um, and I'm I just I don't know how they win more than four games. Uh, the most interesting part, and, and the reason I hate this division so much, is the most interesting thing about this team is that they went, they they won 60% of their division games last year, or like 58%, <laughs> whatever their record, 3-2-1 and one last year in the division, yeah. and they only won three games last year. So, like, I I just don't know how they win more than four games. I'll give them the influx of rookie talent. Uh, as an extra game from last season, but I just don't, I, I don't feel it with this team. Yeah, and I have the under on this too. Let's make it, let's make it a clean sweep. And I've had, I had really high hopes on this team going into it, thinking that they're going to be more competitive than they are. And I think I was just looking at, looking at the glass the wrong way. I think they're going to be competitive, but just on the wrong side of the one possession games, right? Like a one and eight. 0-9 type record towards the one-possession games. But, yeah, to your point, they're good within the division. That's where they can get some of these wins. But they're not going to – even you need a clean sweep and then just a prayer 
for that to, another prayer, I guess, on top of the clean sweep for them to be able to hit this right because you have the likes of and that division is really not too easy. We're gonna see even though it's a crapshoot, everyone kind of plays each other pretty well. Um, but then you have the likes of you're opening with Baltimore, but then you have games at Pittsburgh against New Orleans, which who will get to, which I'm very high on at Cincy Denver, which uh, when I think about that, I just think of their defense against a rookie quarterback. And then you go Cleveland, basically the same thing. And, but I think Cleveland's going to be really good eventually when we get to the North here. So it's, I just can't see where the wins are going to be. And I feel like I say that a lot about some of these teams, but where are they? Like six and a half, I feel like we just have to hammer this because there's no way that they all all of a sudden win four more games or win three more and and don't tie one um, out of last year. And I get it. I'm really high on them and what D'Amico Ryan can do. Just looking at their schedule, I'm like, man, okay, maybe it's not as attainable as as one would think. The Indianapolis – Sorry to interrupt, but that's the thing. It's like I don't – it's like Vegas knows something we don't. Like plus three and a half – on last season's win total because they got CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. I just don't yeah, I don't know where it, where that comes into play, but and it can't be Michi coming back from that and like the I know and I get it. They have veteran pieces, but what do they do on defense? You re-signed your old line, that's good. Yeah, I, I just don't, don't know. I'm with you. I don't know I don't even know if they added anybody on defense. That's the thing, but that's they, neither here nor one guy. Or. One Sheldon Rankins, one guy. The I Indianapolis Colts, exactly. The Indianapolis Colts are up here next on the slate, uh, finishing at four and twelve, four twelve and one. <laughs> There's your tie last year. I now remember that game for at being so ugly. Matt Ryan, Indianapolis Colts are set at six and a half as they're over under here. Uh, David, not we have key additions. Number one, obviously, is Anthony Richardson. The departures are more rear have. You got Stefan Gilmore walking out the door. He had Matt Ryan, your quarterback here um, last year. What Yannick Ngakwe, you know, the likes of Paris Campbell. Um, oh, I can't forget Garner Minshew was added. I do I do apologize. But over six or six and six and a half is the over under where you're sitting on them. So Wally and I again are coming in at the same seven and ten at the over. Uh, but both of us think it's a coin flip. Like I this is one of the teams, and Wally talked about it last week. It's like you do this this predictor of all these games, and you come out, and there's like three or four teams. You're like, I don't know how we got there. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about the, the Colts is I did this three times. I came out to six or seven wins every time. It's a coin flip. They're young. They're rebuilding. They have quite a ways to go. But, like, I, you know, they're in the toughest conference in the AFC, like in, in terms of AFC, NFC. They're in the toughest conference by far, maybe ever, that the, the AFC is that loaded. So they can't win more than seven games if they go over, in my opinion. Um, but like, I don't, if you told me they win three games next year, I also wouldn't be surprised with a guy like Anthony Richardson, you know, at the head of the table there, right? Like, I. I think he's talented. Do I think he's going to project them to a high win total? No. Do I have them winning probably more divisional games at three and th- like, I think I have them going three and three in the division. That's where I have them getting the, to the over is I think the division's so bad that they're all probably pretty much three and three, four and two, two and four. But I, you know, I, it's a coin flip for me. Uh, you know, seven and 10, six and 11. Again, you can tell me they're going three and, uh, 14 and i'd believe you i just 
I, I take the over because that's just where I ended up. Give me the first black sheep of the South. Bah. You know, I got to throw that in there. For all the points that you were saying is exactly why um, I'm kind of not really that high on them. I'm taking the under, and what you were saying is I don't know how I got here. I'm doing the, you know, the playoff predictor three times. It's, that's kind of how I felt with them. I had them maybe winning one to three games. And it's just they're – you have a rookie quarterback. We get that. We're fully committed to that. We forgot how bad that offensive line was last year. I mean, they were brutal. Jonathan Taylor now is seemingly on the out. We had a report an hour before we started recording that the Colts have now given him permission to seek a trade. Already have a report about Miami trying to reach out to get a package. But it seems like both of those parties are are mutually finally getting rid of each other and parting ways. Uh, but now you're not going to have a run game. We know how replaceable they are, but if you're not having if you got a rookie quarterback and you don't really have that good offensive line, I don't know. Their defense really wasn't that good. I can't trust their wide receivers with said, you know, rookie quarterback. So I'm I just can't find the wins in this case, right? As opposed to the losses, it's I just think that they're just gonna be adding talent, top five talent to their roster next year. I just do not think that they're gonna be a good team overall. I don't disagree with you. I just, I, you know, it's, I got to rely with what I put in that predictor and roll with it, but I'm with you. I could say, and I it's totally so see hard from three and 14 team. It's so hard from this point of view, because then, you know, hindsight's 2020 and you go back and you're like, geez, how did I not see this or that? And outside of injuries, which you obviously can't predict, it's like, man, but apparently this is going to be an extremely competitive division because now we had what the two lower or what you're expecting the lower teams to win to win finish or finish seven and ten. Okay, well let's move it on to Jacksonville where Duval over under set at nine and a half, which is great because last year they finished at nine and eight after a very hot end to the season and get into the playoffs. The key additions, obviously, big coming off suspension, Mister Calvin Ridley. Yeah, yeah, draft Tank Bigsby as your uh, second running back here behind Travis Etienne. But nine and nine point five, David. Where are you leaning on this? So again, Wally and I are even in this division. Uh, we both have the Jaguars at the over twelve and five, so way over, right? Uh, Wally says Lawrence is taking a step into the superstar club. Obvious division winner choice. I agree, but I think the reason for that is I think Calvin Ridley is the biggest step up any team is getting without making like a significant trade, a significant signing. Like I think Calvin Ridley nine and a half seems like a low over under point when you're getting a, a top tier receiver, uh, maybe not top eight, top nine, but I put Calvin Ridley in a top 15 conversation at the receiver position and they weren't hurting for receiver last year with Lawrence. <laughs> so I, right. Like I, I think he's going to be a freak of nature this year. Draft him in fantasy. Like, that's my bet. But they're just going to be good. They they benefit from being in the worst division in football. Um, they they should go 6-0 and in the division, but we all know how fucking stupid this division is when they play each other. You know, I can't wait to get those stats back up again. 17 straight times at Houston. But, like, I – you know, when it's I 60 degrees four and two. Yeah. Like I've, I have them going four and two in the division. I know something always stupid happens, but ultimately I don't, you know, if they go six and zero oh in the division, there's no way they don't win 12 games. So I, I just think this is a clear over. 
Yeah, and I'm not too far off. This is a clean sweep as well. I have the over. Um, I have them right at 11 and 6, so that's literally a coin toss. I bet we, we have a different on one game. Uh, but no, I mean, everything that you're saying, they, they do have a tough schedule, but we have the year two of Doug and Trev together, uh, which I think is going to be great. Like I was prefacing before, those last seven games with the last two, uh, two of them in the playoffs, last five regular season games, I think they went on that tear uh, to win the division to get in. I mean, they were playing great. I mean, at one point in Arrowhead, they were kind of scratching our heads thinking, my God, can they pull this out? But then, you know, Pat Mahomes does Pat Mahomes things with the rest of that Chiefs offense and, and the rest is history. But you're going to get – you're getting Calvin Ridley. But the best thing about Calvin Ridley is about how open – he is going to make this offense. Christian Kirk is now your number two. Yeah, he's getting paid a lot, but he's your number two. And now you're also going to have the likes of Zay Jones that's floating around in there. Um, you also have Evan Ingram, who just got re-signed, who was basically a wide receiver. Well, he's a tight end. The amount of times – the go look at every highlight. This dude's lined up on the outside. This dude is a very much a wide receiver. Um, so there – and then again, Tank, Tank Bigsby, who they have just been clamoring about out of camp. You have a full – arsenal of young talent for Trevor and you, we all know what Dougie can do as a head coach and how he can draw it up and make a lot of things work so obviously defense is going to be the real big the real big thing coming out of Jacksonville uh the unit I really want to look into I like I I really liked what they've always done in special teams so I'm not really too concerned about that but 11 and 6 I feel like this is too easy I feel like between this division is cash, at least in my point of view. I think the under for Houston's too easy. I think the over on Jacksonville's too easy. I'm with you, but you know what? I The Titans are probably the hardest pick in the NFL, in my opinion. Yes, they Seven are. and a half over, under. You know, they went seven and ten last year. They were three and three in division. They add an O-lineman in Skronsky. Uh They add DeAndre Hopkins, which was an odd is signing as is. Uh, they... Lose Cunningham, Taylor Lewin, Bud Dupree. They don't really gain or lose to me overall, but Stephen, where do you have them? Yeah, so I'm just going to get ahead of this one. I'm a black sheep pick on this. Give me the over. I am, I am high on Tennessee for no reason except for one, and that's Mike Rabel. Right At this point, I think we really need to sit back, and every time me personally, I'm ready to – uh, hop off the Titans bandwagon. They just shove it in my face to prove me wrong. Outside of last year, last year was kind of the asterisk year because Tannehill's hurt, but we've seen it in years previous where, I mean, come on, Vrabel's been there five years, made the playoffs three of the last four, has won, what, won the division two, two of the last three, and they were the one seed not too long ago when Joey B, Joey B really pushed them under the rug real quick uh, when they went and upset them in Nashville when he got sacked like nine times. That's neither here nor there. But Braves doesn't have a losing season. And every time we're ready to turn our back on on this team, they somehow get it going. If it's going to – the defense is going to pop off. D-Hop is obviously going to be a great addition. And Tannehill is going to be a huge question mark. They don't like Malik Willis is um, – I, I'm already – is Will Levis going to be thrown into action all of a sudden? We don't know. But what I do know is when Tannehill does – is healthy and he does play, he's a serviceable enough quarterback for Tennessee to be successful, and especially when that defense is doing well. So I am the black sheep. I am over, and I think they're going to be competitive with uh, Jacksonville because of my boy Mike Graves. I don't hate that take. It like, And that's why. Think... And that's only why. I don't think you can like, good, give me a talent a argument. because – you bring up a good point. Like Tannehill was hurt for a while last year. Uh, you know, not having, 
I don't know if any of you watched who who played it, who started for him. It I mean, Josh great. Dobbs, it Josh Dobbs, great. they took him off the street over Malik yeah. Willis. Yeah, it wasn't great. So I, I don't hate that take, but it it almost pains me now after listening to you that I have him at 6'11". You might have convinced me otherwise, but Uh-oh. I have him as the under. I have him at 6'11". Wally has him at 7-10 and because they have no line. Wally also has the hottest take on planet Earth that Tannehill's getting traded at the deadline. I don't know who's buying Tannehill, but apparently he's yeah. getting traded at the deadline. I don't, I, you're not signing D-Hop to trade Tannehill at the deadline. I, yeah, you're not because you don't have anything better, right? So yeah, I, I actually don't think Tannehill performs that poorly this year. I think with Hopkins as like a guy, it's kind of like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. When you're in trouble, you throw it up to your guy. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I think Hopkins is probably slightly over the hill, um, not in the sense that he's going to be bad, but not in the sense that he's the guy we saw – three or four years ago. Um, I just, I don't know. I, the defense lacks anything to be excited about, which is kind of why I have them at six and 11. But after listening to you, coaching matters and, you know, 17 games of Tannehill, you might be onto something with the over. Uh, arguably. Uh, I really do like um, Dougie fresh and Jacksonville, but arguably the best coach in the division. Which is yeah, hard I mean, because Doug has a Super Bowl ring. Too, I think, but. yeah, I'm with you. I think it's it's probably Doug, but Rabel's not far behind, and then there's kind of a massive drop off. That's the AFC South again. So how? So let's just get this. So they're in between seven and eight wins for Tennessee. So just at five hundred, Jacksonville in between nine or ten to really be the the leader. Houston between six and seven, as well as Indianapolis. They're, how competitive do they ex- expect the South to be? Because there's no way. I don't. Vegas can't know that much. I don't know if they think it's going to be competitive or if they're just hedging their bets and like, you know, they they make people believe everyone's going to be at like the eight or nine win range, and you know they hope that idiots like us are f- so fucking sure that the Titans are are not a eight win team, and then the Titans win ten games and Vegas wins all the money they they could have potentially lost had they put this where we all think these teams should be. I'm writing down my favorite so far. So I got the Houston and Paula shut your mouth. She doesn't even like me taking the Houston under. Give me that Houston under. Give me that Jacksonville, that Jacksonville over. And I'm going to sprinkle on that Tennessee over too. I like that. A Tennessee's lot. not a bad bet. That's, but that's, I still think that's the hardest pick of any team this year. Oh no, it's it's always it's always so difficult within that and we don't know maybe that division ends up being that semi competitive and then all of a sudden it's out the window. But another okay, this one is a more head scratcher, maybe than the AFC. The NFC South. So we, to start them off, we got the Dirty Birds in Atlanta, the revamped defense. We got a semi new look offense compared to last year. The Falcons over under set at eight and a half. This is a team that went seven and ten last year that as you remember, they started off well, stalled a little bit here to really choke away the the NFC South opportunity to win that division. But what is your over-under set for the Falcons, David? Let's start with Wally because I, I deeply regret my picks. Uh, but Wally has a team over 9-8, and quote-unquote, skill positions are hot, only Ritter can F this up. They sneak into the playoffs as a seven seed. I disagree with that, but I have them so far under at five and 12 that I really regret it. 
They added Jesse Bates. They added Onyemata, who I wanted for the Browns. They added Calias Campbell, who is old but still effective. They added Jeff Akuda, I mean, he's like 6'8", though. Just right. Fall. Right. But, like, they added Jeff Akuda, who, as a number two, was very serviceable. Um, I, you know, the only departure was, was Marcus Mariota. Well, the only departure of real note was Marcus Mariota. I just... They add on defense heavily. They have fun skill positions, but I take the under, maybe not as bad as I have it, but I take the under because Ritter is your problem. It's it's like, you know, the the 07 Patriots without Tom Brady and with like Charlie Fry in as a quarterback would probably have been a 500 team. The Falcons are not the 07 Patriots <laughs> with their current skill position. Like they're just, they're not that good. They're good, and if you put a service or co- serviceable quarterback in there, they're probably a nine-win team. But I'm just I'm betting against Ritter. I don't think he's good. I think this team flatlines because of it. Maybe not five and twelve like I have them, but definitely under. I mean, how bad do the Falcons feel right now after taking Desmond Ritter? I mean, what what spot did they end up taking him in? Is that the third I don't round? Even remember? Yeah, it sounds about right. I think third or fourth round. Okay, so I guess that's not bad, but I mean, you are leaving so so much to be cherished right now on this roster. I mean, to your point, you you list off what that defense does, and man, if you're an Atlanta fan, what's up, Evan? You know what those, that defense has lacked, and what feels like for a long time. But then offensively, yes, it's a heavy a heavy run first offense. You got Bijan Robinson in there, which is going to be awesome for your team. We understand that, but. At the same time, if you don't have a quarterback to facilitate it, there's not much I can trust you. Give me the under, and I'm barely taking it at 7-10 and 10 because I think this defense and run game can do enough, especially with some of the weaker opponents within the division and the, and the NFC as, and as a whole. But, man, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to quarterback, and Atlanta's going to be looking for one next year. Yeah, and I apologize, everyone, if you can hear my dog barking in the background. But I agree. Um, I, I, I lean more towards you, but again, I just have to like the, that whole predictor thing, man, it's, I, I regret where I came out to with Atlanta, but I, I just don't think they hit the over. I definitely am on the underpaint, uh, plan, but moving on to the Carolina Panthers, Thurs. Maybe, maybe the most frustrating team. Um, I, and we mentioned it earlier with, with Bryce Young, but I the over under set at seven and a half last year they went seven and ten they add Thielen Shark Dalton Miles Sanders Hayden Hurst Von Bell they lose DJ Moore which is a huge loss they lose Baker Mayfield they lose Dante Foreman I have them at I have them at four and 13 and I have them at the under and it's mostly what I said earlier Bryce Bryce is going to get killed this year there's no offensive line um, Wally has them at four and thirteen for the same reasons. I, for a rookie quarterback with no offensive line, we've seen it play out time and time and time again. Uh, it you you need the extra seconds for decision making as a rookie. You you know everything's ten times faster than it was in college. Losing seconds because you have no O line is a massive problem, and. I just I don't know how they win more than four games because of that. 
Yeah, we're all, we're all on the same boat on here. I have under in Carolina too, and I had them at five and twelve. Um, new coach, rookie quarterback, struggling O line, wide receiver room that's tough to look at. I really, really, really like Carolina's defense. They got they have a good mix of vet studs, young studs. So I like them a lot on that side of the ball. But it's just it's a this is a different team and a different energy than than what everyone's remembering last year. Right, especially when you're losing pieces like DJ Moore, Deontay Foreman, and, and his little fun story. If you if you don't know it, go check it out. Of him kind of on the precipice of quitting, getting a second chance, and having a rebirth the last really couple of years. I feel like he had one in like Tennessee. Ended up him ended up there in Carolina when CMC got traded and balled out last year. Um, but I mean. There's a lot of toss-up games. You got a couple against Indy and Houston, right? That's the rookie quarterback matchups that we're looking at. But then you play a slew of really good teams, right? Four teams in the playoffs last year. You got the revamped Saints you're playing twice. Um, And then you got Detroit, who's going to be a question mark, but I'm really high on. So their defense can only take them so far when I don't know if their offense is uh, maybe going to be able to distribute the ball is great because of their O-line and the problem here with Bryce Young. I'm also just really not a big Frank Wright guy. Um, I don't think that they should have left Steve Wilkes walk out of that building. So maybe some of the remaining players that really like Steve Wilkes and aren't really fully buying into Reich is going to hurt it. I think maybe I'm definitely talking out of my ass out of there, but kind of food for thought. No, on that, I don't, on that I don't, point of view. I agree. Steve Wilkes got them to be almost a, a 500 win team last year. They, I think that's the reason this is so high. Right. Like He's the I, only reason. I, Steve Wilkes walking, letting him not be the head coach was a, was a mistake. And just what it's at seven and a half, you know, see what the Colts were. And you can almost, you can almost argue that the Colts have, you know, offensively, absolutely more talent than Carolina did last year. Defensively, Carolina has the nod, but like, come on. I just, I can't believe in Frank Reich right now. What if do hold up? What if he trades for Jonathan Taylor? What if he like puts it in the ears? Like, sorry, send Miles Sanders up there. Have, that uh, actually makes that's sense. Interesting. That's Cause, interesting. Because now you get Steichen back with his old boy Miles Sanders, and oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting take. I don't think it happens, but I also no. I don't know. It's an interesting take because Carolina has always had a running back for those, whether it be at their quarterback position or at their running back position. But yep. I. Hey, don't dog Jonathan Stewart I, like that. It's an interesting. It's an interesting take. Um, if we could see it, if we could see it. I don't think it affects the win column, though. I still think they're they're they have no O line, regardless. So, like, even yeah. if you throw Jonathan Taylor in there, he's still running. He's it's like running into a brick wall. And to be fair, Dylan, looking at you and, and all Carolina fans, you don't want this. You don't want this year to be amazing, just as much as you don't want Chicago's year to be amazing, because. You got. You're getting. Or no, I guess the other way around. You're fucked. You need this year to be amazing, because you have no draft picks. So you're fucked. Chicago sitting there that. like you better suck. I forgot about that. That's yeah. gonna be a major problem. The New Orleans Saints talking about revamping here. This is an over under set at nine and a half. This is a team that went seven and ten last year. But remember, this offseason they did acquire the quarterback from the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr, as well as added Jamal Williams to that backfield. Alvin Kamara serving a three-game suspension, so that is key. Some of the departures we had, Andy Dalton, yeah, Mark Ingram, yeah, Jarvis Landry, yeah, Marcus Davenport, yeah, uh, David Onyemata, yeah, Caden Nallis, yeah, Chris Harris Jr., okay. Uh, So didn't really lose a lot. 
they got to retain, you know, a bulk of their star players, if not everyone on the defensive side of the ball. We had Cam Jordan who re-signed. We know Mark uh, Marshawn Lattimore was hurt nine, ten games last year, so we're expecting another season of him. David, where do you sit with these New Orleans Saints? I have them at the over, but barely. I well, actually, no, I technically have them at the under. I have them at nine and eight. Uh, Black sheep pick. Wally has them at ten and seven because you know. Wally, Derek, Derek fucking, fucking car. car. Right. Uh, finally gets his division title. I agree. I have him at nine and eight as the under. I could see them being 10 and seven. I could see him being seven and 10. I don't really know. That's another coin flip for me. But if I had to bet on it now, I bet on nine to 10 wins, uh, probably nine, just because I don't think they're that good. Um, but I have them as the division winner. In the worst division in the NFC. Um, I think the addition of Derek Carr is actually going to elevate them. But ultimately, the Saints aren't a threat to the NFC. So if they win the division, they're going to get absolutely slaughtered in that first game of the playoffs. And that's my bet. Oh, yeah. So just disclaimer here, right? And I, I have the over. I got the Saints as like a 12-13 win football club. And this is why I don't think that that record's going to indicate how slightly above average this team actually is. You thinking a repeat They're, of the Vikings, like from last year? A little bit more competitive, actually, a lot more competitive because the defense is the whole body, not even shoulder, not even head and shoulders, the whole entire body over um, what the Vikings defense was last year. But their schedule is so easy. Major upgrade at quarterback, clearly what you're missing. But we saw what Chris Olave is. You have Michael Thomas, you have whatever. We'll see what all these offensive players are. Alvin Kamara, um, Jamal Williams, like that little combo. I think they got a third guy in there that I'm missing on for some reason. But they have stars around there. We saw – I can't – I always forget their tight end's name, that ball last year. Um, but they have a couple guys that really just kind of stood out. But they didn't lose, they didn't lose anybody. But here's the toughest on their schedule. Week five against New England, or maybe it's week seven against Jacksonville. Maybe depending, week nine against Chicago, or is it week 13 against Detroit? I mean, those are literally the hardest games to find on the schedule. And I'm not even trying to like backhand compliment anybody. Like, even if, even if Chicago isn't good, they're still the fourth toughest team on this schedule. Like, they, they're not going to compete with San Fran, uh, Philly, or what I'm, of who I think in Dallas as well, but they're going to win the division easily. Going to be Derek Carver's best team. Hope he doesn't break his leg. Sorry, while well, I had to bring that up, but no, they should. This should be a cakewalk for him. Bring us into the final one, Tampa Bay, where my ship may be unsinking on Baker Mayfield, but nope. the over under is six and a half. Last year they went eight and nine with Tom Brady. Uh, they went four and two division. They added Baker Mayfield, but they lose Tom Brady. They lose Leonard Fournette. They lose Giovanni Bernard. They lose Julio Jones, who isn't that big of a loss for them. Yeah. Uh, and they lose Kyle Rudolph, who is somewhat of a decent loss on offense. Um, I, Wally and I have both of them going seven and 10, or we both have them going seven and 10. Wally thinks it's a gross team. I, I think Baker Mayfield's going to keep them in it like he kept Carolina in it. I think that this team is – I think Tom Brady's a massive loss, obviously. Uh, but I think Baker Mayfield keeps them 
weirdly competitive enough to win seven games in this division, uh, especially with a loaded receiving core. Like, I, you can't – Baker Mayfield's a gunslinger. He's a bad decision maker at this point in his career. Uh, the Browns probably ruined him. But either way, if you could throw it up to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you've got a chance. So I'm, I'm going to go with 7-10. and 10. I think it's probably the right win total for him. But it is just it's, – it's another interesting win-loss. Uh, bet. So what do you got, Steve? Definitely his best uh, O-line probably since his second year in the league. So he's going to have, and he's got the best assortment of weapons that he's had, right? But it's just I, I, I'm I, still not on the Baker train. And I'm not on the train because his whole team is just a crapshoot. Not First and foremost, I feel so bad. Like, Baker's one of these guys. Anyone who is playing and is a starter for Tampa Bay right now is going to have the biggest target on your back because those dudes who are on that team have been running their mouth the past two or three years because they've had Tom Brady. And now they're all like, okay, Super Bowl champs, let's go. Let's see what you got. So now they're going to be limping into it. It's just – it doesn't matter how good your receivers are. If your quarterback's not able to get get it to them, I don't I don't care how good. It doesn't really matter how good your defense is because if your offense isn't able to extend drives, uh, you're going to be putting on. And I could argue that Baker, Kyle Trask, either of these guys were aren't as good as Jameis Winston was at that at, in Tampa Bay, and they never really went that far. And hell, I I I barely think they ever got to seven and ten. So give me the under on this. Todd Bowles gone. They're cl- it's clean house in Tampa Bay at the end of the year. It is clean house season. With that, that's going to wrap us up another episode of Lost and Down. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Lost underscore down. And make sure to retweet us on our Twitter, down underscore loss. Shout out to Abby Turner Creative. Again, your one-stop shop marketing agency at abbyturnerphoto.com, A-B-B-E-Y, or Instagram, sawdat and sapphire. David, any parting words for the fans? Wally, I hope you don't get sunburnt. Actually, I kind of hope you I do. Just, I, I hope Wally comes back from getting the milk and cigarettes, that's all. Or the icy light and cigarettes. I I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. You and I don't know how to edit the podcast, so hopefully it doesn't no, abandon us. No, I would really uh, – I'd like that because I would just go on, like, Craigslist, find somebody on – some college kid trying to get some credits. Okay. We, that's what we need to do. We need to trick somebody thinking this is an internship. Like, hey, well, this is, a, this is unpaid, but we only need you for like six hours a week. Can you make it happen? I'll sign off for everything. I'll give you a fake little stamp that we can get and notarize and all that fun jazz. No, we can make it work. Wally, be safe. Until next time, God, dude, we're one week closer. We are one week closer. And we've gotten the worst divisions out of the way. We move on to the funnest divisions in football for the next two weeks of podcasting. Did we do the North last? No, we did the East. No, the North's not going to be fun. The AFC North will be fun. AFC North, and then, you know, the West is a wild place. (laughs) The wild, wild West. That's why they call it. That's why Will Smith called it that movie. I'm pretty sure that's where that saying came from. And if you haven't seen that movie, go get it. I always think every time my ear itches with wax, I think about that guy who (laughs) turns his horn and it just dribbles out. But that's neither here nor there.